0: All right, friends, as we as we turn to scripture, let's pray together. Oh, God, as your word is read and proclaimed this day, open our minds, stir our hearts, ignite our imaginations that we might walk in your ways. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 20. It's different verses throughout the chapter. Let's listen for what the spirit is saying to us. This this should sound familiar. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. As some of you know, we had an unwelcome guest in the Floyd house a couple of weeks ago. My wife emily tested positive for covid so she moved upstairs and i stayed downstairs and we're very fortunate that her symptoms were mild so it was more of an inconvenience than a crisis i know not everyone is so lucky and it caused me to think back to those disorienting days when covid first appeared back in 2020 can anyone remember back that far we weren't sure what we were dealing with yet so we just shut everything down and sent everyone home do you remember this and maybe some of you remember when your dining room table became your desk and when your desk became your zoom studio and you were worried about what was behind you and all of a sudden you noticed that the lighting in your house was terrible and you had bad wi-fi my dining room table became a pulpit and I preached more than a few sermons alone in the kitchen staring at a little camera that was perched on my computer monitor just as Jesus intended (laughs) surely we all remember that poor guy who was giving a BBC interview from his home office and his young kids burst through the door and toddled around the office like little Godzilla's destroying everything. And then the, do you remember this? Then the frantic mother slid into the scene and tried to extract them while who knows how many tens of thousands of people were watching. It was just so wonderfully human and ridiculous and chaotic, all the pieces of our life just blurring together. It may have felt like freedom, working from home. You could unload the dishwasher between meetings, you could wear pajama pants all day long, you could take the dog for 30 walks a day. But most of us discovered that life without boundaries, without borders, without some kind of order, doesn't feel like freedom for long. It starts to feel like chaos. We meet the Israelites just as they are gaining newfound freedom, and it feels a lot like chaos to them, too. They had been slaves in Egypt, and they had produced all day, every day. The Egyptians told them how many bricks they needed to make, and they worked until the job was done. But it was grueling work, and eventually they complained, and God finally did something about it. And you know the grand story of the Exodus, Moses leading the people to freedom. No more do they have someone standing over them, squeezing every last drop from them. No more are their days measured in bricks. They are free, but they are also lost. The people whose lives consisted of work, eat, sleep, wash, rinse, repeat, don't know what to do with themselves. Life is blurred, nothing is clear, they wander around in pajamas for days on end. What should we do, they ask. And so along comes the 10 Commandments. The 10 Commandments are an attempt to answer that question, to, to tell the people how to use their freedom. Now, at first glance, glance, the Ten Commandments look like a bunch of no's. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. No, no, no. Sometimes it feels like all of religion can be reduced to just a list of thou shalt nots, but but I think it's a mistake to see the Ten Commandments this way. Instead of a bunch of thou shalt nots, instead of 10 attempts to take away our freedom, I think the Ten Commandments are more like 10 promises Promises that give us freedom, the freedom that comes from living within gracious limits. We usually think we know what freedom is and we think we've got it, but are we really free? Are we really free when we live with security alarms and deadbolts and gated communities and metal detectors? I will never forget the day my daughter, she was six at the time, came home and told me that they had practiced a lockdown at school. Are we really free when six-year-olds have to practice lockdowns? Are we really free when we spend hours inching our way through life, doing business, telling ourselves that if we just make it to next month, we won't be so all consumed with work? Are we really free when our medicine cabinets are full of drugs for heart disease and headaches and heartaches and backaches and depression and anxiety and exhaustion, nine to five jobs that are 24 hour jobs, meetings and classes and sometimes sermons that beat us to death with boredom, Overstimulated kids scrambling from one activity to another, iPhones and email and advertisements and spam and credit cards and mortgage payments. Are we really free? You know, the Bible has a totally different understanding of freedom. Absolute freedom, the freedom to be anything, to do anything without limits, the Bible sees that kind of freedom as an illusion. We're never free like that. To put it another way, we are always bound, always bound to something. No matter how free we think we are, we always have a master. And there are lots of possible masters. Of course, we can be slaves to our ideology, to the economy, to our own egos, slaves to our fears, to our bodies, to other people. Lots of things can rule our lives. And the Christian tradition claims that true freedom is found not in living without limits, not in having no master, but in living within gracious limits, making God the center and God our master. Which brings us back to the 10 Commandments. What if we imagine these not as a checklist of thou shalt nots? What if we imagine these as promises, promises of what freedom looks like? In a world of many masters and divided loyalties, we have the promise of one God, one source of beauty and life and love, one destiny for each of us and all of us, one ruler in whose service we find freedom. In a world of empty words and hateful speech when the name of God is tossed around to bless everyone's self-seeking agenda, we have the promise that words can be life-giving, in that God's holiness and mystery can't be destroyed by people's schemes in a world of overwork and hyperactivity where we're measured by how much we produce and consume where creation itself is seen only as a commodity. We have the promise of Sabbath rest for us and for all creation in a world where the latest is always the greatest and the past is seen as a burden. We have the promise of honoring those who have come before us, listening to their stories, valuing their wisdom, living within their gracious limits. If you all can't tell, I'm going through the Ten Commandments. Have you noticed that we're now on commandment number five? I think (laughs) in a world where kill or be killed is the unspoken rule that governs our lives and our economy and our foreign policy, we have the promise of a world without killing where all life is seen as an infinitely precious gift of God. In a world of broken hearts and broken promises, where betrayal destroys so many lives, we have the promise of a world of faithfulness and commitment, in a world of grasping where the strong take from the weak, we have the promise of a world where everyone has enough and no one has to take from anyone anymore. In a world of deceit and manipulation and spin where people and government say or do anything to achieve their ends, we have the promise of truth-telling and in a world of runaway materialism where our value is measured by how we compare to our neighbors, we have the promise that our value is measured instead by who we are in our deepest selves. And by what not but why not but not by what we own or what our neighbors own. And you see what I'm getting at here. Instead of this being just a big long list of a bunch of no's, a bunch of thou shalt nots, we have promises. A life centered on love, God's mystery forever honored, rest for all creation, family stability, life, faithfulness, generosity, truthfulness, contentment. God gave this gift to the people of Israel. This isn't God angrily shaking a finger and saying thou shalt not, thou shalt not. God is gifting a new order to people who don't know how to define their lives beyond meeting a quota to people who have only been valued because of their work and what they could produce, who didn't know what to do with their freedom or how to exist or how to relate to each other or or God or all creation apart from producing and consuming. Does this start to sound familiar? Maybe it's good that we get to overhear this story. So God gifts these promises, these invitations to a new way of life and gives the people an identity and a purpose and a sense of belonging. I think in the Ten Commandments, God is inviting the people and God is inviting us into a holy shift, a shift away from chaos that comes from no boundaries, no borders, everything blurring together, everything reduced to producing and consuming, a shift toward covenant, toward creative, meaningful life with God and with each other and with all creation. These 10 promises are a vision of the way life could be. But to get there, we have to reclaim the gift of gracious boundaries. Boundaries that enable us to say no to all the other masters trying to enslave us so that we can say yes to the God of beauty and life and love. Only then will we find the peace we seek. Only then will we find true freedom. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen.